Good morning. Today is Thursday, August 26th, 2021. And welcome to Kingdom Testimony Podcast, where we're talking about and anticipating the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. I want to continue... Um, What's going on right now with me? We're in, I'm in Arizona, of course. It is hot. We have another heat wave going through for the next week. Um, I'm just going to keep on going. I'm not, not getting out and about much, just trying to stay inside and stay cool. So we're going to do another podcast this morning. As often as I can, I will. I'd like to say I'm on a certain schedule, but we've already proven that is uh, flexible. All right, so we left off yesterday, Enoch chapter 17. So let's, let's go into Enoch chapter 18. Um, these are things that Enoch saw when the angels, the, the seraphim, took Enoch to to the throne, and the Lord said, show him everything. So the Lord is showing Enoch everything. And it starts to get really interesting. Um, as I read this, try to think of scenes from Genesis, Revelations, from, you know, first book to the last book. This is... This is like what was shown to John, but it also, not much has changed from the beginning of time. Um, there's, well, well, let's just read it. Okay, so verse 1. I saw the treasuries of all the winds. I saw how he had furnished with them the whole creation and the firm foundations of the earth. I saw the cornerstone of the earth. I saw the four winds which bear the earth and the firmament of the heaven. Okay, and that matches up with Revelation 7, 1. Four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Verse 3, And I saw how the winds stretch out the vaults of heaven and have their station between heaven and earth. These are the pillars of the heaven. Okay, the four winds correlate with the four angels in Revelation 7. I saw the winds of heaven which turn and bring the circumference of the sun and all the stars to their setting. I saw the winds on the earth carrying the clouds. I saw the paths of the angels. I saw at the end of the earth the firmament of the heaven above. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. There isn't the end of the earth. Was he standing in one spot looking from horizon to horizon? Doesn't sound like it. It's He's seeing everything, not just from one horizon to the, to the other horizon. From his perspective, he's above the earth seeing the ends of the earth. Verse 6. And I proceeded and saw a place which burns day and night where there are seven mountains of magnificent stones, three towards the east 
and three towards the south. These are the mountains. And as for those towards the east, one of... Okay, let me begin again. And as for those towards the east, one was of colored stone, and one of pearl, and one of jacinth, and those toward the south of redstone. But the middle one reached to heaven like the throne of God, of alabaster, and the summit of the throne was of sapphire. And I saw a flaming fire. And beyond these mountains is a region, the end of the great earth. There the heavens were completed. Okay, the seven mountains, three on the east, three on the south. So they appear to not be in a straight line, but form sort of a right angle. I'm just trying to picture this in my head. But the middle mountain reaches to the heavens, to the throne of God. Verse 11, And I saw a deep abyss with columns of heavenly fire, and among them I saw columns of fire fall, which were beyond measure alike toward the height and towards the depth. And beyond that abyss I saw a place which had no firmament of the heaven above, and no firmly founded earth beneath it. There was no water upon it, and no birds, but it was a waste and horrible place. I saw there seven stars like great burning mountains. And to me, when I inquired regarding them, the angel said, This place is the end of heaven and earth. This has become a prison for the stars and the host of heaven. And the stars which roll over the fire are they which have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in the beginning of their rising, because they did not come forth at their appointed times. And he was wroth with them and bound them till the time when their guilt should be consummated, even for 10,000 years. That's the end of chapter 18. And of course, we need to go over some things here. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so Enoch is looking at seven stars, like great burning mountains. Okay. And he asked the angel, what is this? The angel said, the place, this place is the end of heaven and earth. It's a prison for the stars and the host of heaven. So what is he saying? Stars are? Hmm... Uh, the stars which roll over the fire are they which have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in the beginning of their rising, because they did not come forth at their appointed times. I have, have you seen the pictures of the sky at night, how it turns, the stars turn like a clock? They're, I do believe they are turning clockwise. The, the North Star, it never changes its location. So, I mean, just think of that. Is it, is it spinning with the Earth? Are the stars around the Earth fixed in a fixed 
space? Or are they set into the firmament and they're spinning? This, this is real stuff here. And when you see a falling star, some people might call them shooting stars, but they fall. Um, Enoch is saying there's a prison for the stars that didn't come out when they were appointed to at night. They were disobedient or rebellious stars. They go to the same place where the fallen angels were were sent to for until the time of the consummation, which is 10,000 years. All right, that's just interesting. All right, chapter 19. And Uriel said to me, Here shall stand the angels who have connected themselves with women, and their spirits, assuming many different forms, are defiling mankind and shall lead them astray into sacrificing to demons as gods. Here shall they stand till the day of the great judgment, in which they shall be judged till they are made an end of. And the women also of the angels who went astray shall become sirens. And I, Enoch, alone saw the vision, the ends of all things, and no man shall see as I have seen. I'm, I'm not much of an, like, a, into astrology and, and things like that, but I do find it, I've always found it very interesting, the constellations. And I have an app on my phone, as many people do, where you can put your phone up to the sky and calibrate it, and you can see exactly what constellation you're looking at, like Orion and Gemini and, and things like that. It's interesting, why were all of these, and I dare I say all, of the constellations and star formations that aren't even major constellations and stars, they're named after ancient gods, Apollo, Gemini, you know, Orion, which is Apollyon, or Osiris. And, you know, they're all named after ancient gods because they want to be gods and because the men, the wicked men of the earth from times past are, are wanting to memorialize them, memorialize them, however you say that. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's like a tribute. Then you see falling stars and it's like, well, that's, that's really what you are. You know, is it any wonder the Lord needs to shake the heavens and the earth? Of the evil that's going on. All right, chapter 20. And these are the names of the holy angels who watch. Uriel, one of the holy angels who is over the world and over Tartarus. Now, Second Peter says uh, that the angels that sinned were chained in Tartarus. Okay. Uh, Jude 6 says that also, and so does Revelation 9. Raphael, one of the holy angels who is over the spirits of men. They have their, they, these, the angels have their assignments. Raguel, one of the holy angels who takes vengeance on the world of the luminaries. Michael, one of the holy angels, to wit, 
He is set over the best part of mankind and over chaos or war. Seraquel, one of the holy angels who is set over the spirits who sin in the spirit. Gabriel, one of the holy angels who is over paradise and the serpents and the cherubim. Remiel, one of the holy angels whom God set over those who rise. That's the end of chapter 20. Um, interesting to me is Remiel, one of the holy angels who God set over those who rise. And Remiel um, is mentioned in the Bible. And I can't remember where. I thought I had that written down. Um, but maybe you want to look that up. This is spelled R-E-M-I-E-L. And I think in the Bible it's spelled slightly different. All right, chapter 21. And I proceeded to where things were chaotic. And I saw there something horrible. I saw neither a heaven above nor a firmly founded earth, but a place chaotic and horrible. And there I saw seven stars of the heaven bound together in it, like great mountains and burning with fire. Then I said, For what sin are they bound, and on what account have they been cast in hither? Then said Uriel, one of the holy angels, who was with me and was chief over them, and said, Enoch, why dost thou ask, and why art thou eager for the truth? These are of the number of the stars of heaven, which have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, and are bound here till ten thousand years. The time entailed by their sins are consummated. And from whence I went to another place, which was still more horrible than the former, and I saw a horrible thing, a great fire there which burnt and blazed, and the place was cleft as far as the abyss, being full of great descendum columns of fire. Neither its extent nor magnitude could I see, nor could I conjecture. Then I said, How fearful is the place, and how, <clears throat> excuse me, how terrible to look upon. Then Uriel answered me, one of the holy angels who was with me, and said unto me, Enoch, why hast thou such fear and affright? And I answered, Because of this fearful place, and because of the spectacle of the pain. And he said unto me, This place is the prison of the angels, and here they will be imprisoned forever. Chapter 2, 22, excuse me, chapter 22. And thence I went to another place, and he showed me in the west another great and high mountain and of hard rock. And there was in it four hollow places, deep and wide and very smooth. How smooth are the hollow places, and deep and dark to look at. Then Raphael answered one of the holy angels who was with me, and said unto me, These hollow places have been created for this very purpose, that the spirits of the souls of the dead should assemble therein, yea, that all the souls of the children of men should assemble here. And these places have been made to receive them till the day of their judgment, until their appointed period, till the period appointed, till the great judgment comes upon them. And I saw the spirits of the children of men who were dead, and their voice went forth to heaven and made suit. Then I asked Raphael, the angel who was with me, and I said unto him, This spirit, whose is it, whose voice goes forth and makes suit? 
And he answered me, saying, This is the spirit which went forth from Abel, whom his brother Cain slew. And he makes his suit against him, till his seed is destroyed from the face of the earth. And his seed is annihilated from amongst the seed of men. Talking about the seed of Cain, the Adam and Eve's son who married, uh, murdered Abel. Then I asked regarding it and regarding all the hollow places, why is one separated from the other? <clears throat> and he answered me and said unto me, These three have been made, that the spirits of the dead may be separated. And such a division has been made for the spirits of the righteous, in which there is a bright spring of water, And such has been made for sinners when they die, and are buried in the earth, and judgment has not been executed on them in their lifetime. Here their spirits shall be set apart in this great pain, till the great day of judgment and punishment and torment of those who curse forever, and retribution for their spirits. There he shall bind them forever. That's the second one. Okay, let's talk about the third one. And such a division has been made for the spirits of those who make their suit, who make disclosures concerning their destruction when they were slain in the days of the sinners. Such has been made for the spirits of men who were not righteous, but sinners, who were complete in transgression, and of the transgressors they shall be companions. But their spirits shall not be slain in the day of judgment, nor shall they be raised from thence. Then I blessed the Lord of glory and said, Blessed be my Lord, the Lord of righteousness, who rules forever. Okay, that is chapter 22. Um, I think we should look at this. The author or editor of, of this book has three divisions. The righteous, the victims that are slain, and the sinners. Okay. Um, now it says in the beginning of chapter two, there is four hollow places. And Raphael says these hollow places have been created for the very purpose. The souls of the spirits of the souls of the dead shall assemble therein. Um, now remember what I said yesterday, dark, deep, that sort of thing does not necessarily mean hell. The Lord, you know, resides in the dark also. Dark not always meaning evil. He has these separated places. Um, the author also has a note, Abraham's bosom, which is in the New Testament. When Jesus, when, when they were asking Jesus about, he, he gave them a parable or, a, I don't think it was a parable, but the account of Lazarus, you know, suffering in one place and seeing in the next chasm, Abraham and all of that. So this is the this is the area he's talking about. Um, these areas are made to receive the dead till the day of their judgment. Okay, the probably the great white throne judgment talked about in Revelations. Um, I saw the spirits of the children of men who were dead. And their voice went forth to heaven and made suit. So they're they're recounting, basically, they're giving their, their lives testimony. They're recounting what happened, what their motives were, petitioning God. Um, 
the spirit that went forth from Abel. All right, and why are they separated? So the, basically the blood is crying out from the ground. All right, there's three sections. Such a division has been made for the spirits of the righteous, in which there is a bright spring of water. It's not dark there. It's not dark. The Lord is its light. He's not going to have the righteous, you know, how many know like when they put them in solitary confinement and prisons and things like that, it's a deep, dark cell. And you could almost go crazy in the head from being, feeling like you've been banished there. This has a bright spring of water. So the righteous are going to a place where there is a bright spring of water. We've always called it heaven. Um, again, there may be several levels of heaven. We don't exactly know what to call these places because we haven't lived there and come back. Enoch has. Okay. Um, and then there is another place for sinners when they die and are buried and their judgment has not been executed on them. Okay. Here their spirits are set apart in great pain till the great day of judgment and punishment and torment of those who curse forever. Okay, so they're in where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth right now, waiting for the great day of judgment. Then there's another division for those who make their suit who make disclosures concerning their destruction when they were slain in the days of sinners. Such has been made for those who were not righteous but sinners, complete in transgression. Okay, so he's saying these, the author is saying these are for the victims. Okay, we can go on. Enoch is available online. I'm, you know, it's not like I have the only copy or, or whatever. Okay, chapter 23. From thence I went to another place to the west of the ends of the earth, and I saw a burning fire which ran without ceasing, uh, without resting, and paused not from its course day or night, but ran regularly. And I asked, saying, What is this which rests not? Okay, this is a burning fire which runs without resting. Raguel, one of the holy angels who was with me, answered me and said unto me, This course of fire which thou hast seen is a fire in the west which persecutes all the luminaries of heaven. Okay, I want to look back at Raguel again. What's his uh, assignment? He's the one who takes vengeance on the world of the luminaries in chapter 20. Okay, so that's interesting. The course of fire. It's a burning fire that runs without resting. What does that sound like? The sun, maybe. The sun in the sky. Um, this course of fire, which thou hast seen, is in the west, which persecutes all the luminaries of heaven. That's very interesting. And from whence I, chapter 24. And from thence I went to another place of the earth, and showed me a mountain range of fire which burnt day and night. And I went beyond it and saw seven magnificent mountains, all differing each from the other, and the stones thereof were magnificent and beautiful, magnificent as a whole, of glorious appearance and fair exterior. Three towards the east, 
one founded on the other, and three towards the south, one upon the other, and deep, rough ravines, no one of which joined with any other. Is this another mountain range? I guess I'm not quite sure. It seems like there's a duplicate mount of range, mountain range somewhere else. You know, incidentally, not too long ago, I took a little road trip and went over to Pikes Peak. I don't know if you've ever been there. But it was still early in the year. I think I went in May. And they were all covered with snow. It was beautiful. But that's what it reminded me of, was these seven magnificent mountains. Okay, verse 3. Uh, chapter 24, verse 3. And the seventh mountain was in the midst of these, and it excelled them in height, resembling the seat of a throne, and fragrant trees encircled the throne. And amongst them was a tree, such as I had never yet smelled. Neither was, it, neither was any amongst them, nor were others like it. It had a fragrance beyond all fragrance, and its leaves and blooms and wood wither not forever. And its fruit is beautiful, and its fruit resembles the dates of a palm. Then I said, How beautiful is this tree, and fragrant, and its leaves are fair, and its blooms very delightful in appearance. Um, okay, now Enoch is, or Michael is going to answer, and we'll be at the end of chapter 24. Sounds to me like the tree of life, though. Um... It's interesting, like is this mountain in the garden? This very interesting to me. But um, the only fruit, and I read this the other day, because I didn't come up with this, the only fruit that was ever mentioned in Genesis was the fig. So, I mean, it, it never said it was an apple with Adam and Eve, it was, the only fruit mentioned was a fig. And here it says the fruit resembles the dates of a palm. You know, figs and dates and they're all very similar. It's very possible Eve ate a fig or a date. Okay, then answered Michael, one of the holy and honored angels, who was with me and was their leader. Chapter 25. And he said unto me, Enoch, why dost thou ask me regarding the fragrance of the tree? And why dost thou wish to learn the truth? Then I answered him, saying, I wish to know about everything, but especially about this tree. And he answered, saying, This high mountain which thou hast seen, whose summit is like the throne of God, is his throne, where the Holy Great One, the Lord of glory, the eternal King, will sit, when he shall come down to visit the earth with goodness. Ooh, that gives me goosebumps. Okay, this is on the earth. Where is this mountain? Don't know. Probably in the garden which has been sealed up and closed from view. How exciting is that? How exciting is that? Adam and Eve had access to that tree. But they chose the wrong tree. How exciting. 
Oh, because we'll get to go back there. Okay, chapter 25, verse 4. Did you know that you have the garden within you? You have this throne, summit, mountain within you? Isn't that exciting? All right, verse 4. And as for this fragrant tree, no mortal is permitted to touch it till the great judgment, when he shall take vengeance on all and bring everything to its consummation forever. It shall then be given to the righteous and holy. Its fruit shall be for food to the elect. It shall be transplanted to the holy place, to the temple of the Lord, the eternal King. Then shall they rejoice with joy and be glad, and into the holy place shall they enter, and its fragrance shall be in their bones, and they shall live a long life on earth, such as thy fathers lived. And in their days shall no sorrow or plague or torment or calamity touch them. Oh my goodness, this is exciting. This is Mount Zion during the millennium, the millennial reign. They shall live long lives on earth like their fathers lived, 900 and some years. Of course, 900 and some years, because the millennial reign is a thousand years. Oh, boy. Wow. That's crazy. This is for the elect. The fruit of the tree of life is for the elect. It's given to the righteous and the holy. Are we hearing that? The elect of God talked about in the New Testament are the righteous and the holy ones. It doesn't say it is those who are saved by grace on the finished work of the cross. Now go and do live as you please. And, and Joel Osteen, your life away. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that, sort of. But no, 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 no. It's for the righteous and the holy. God said, be holy as I am holy. Jesus lived a holy and righteous life. Of course we're going to sin. But we go to him for forgiveness and then we try to live our lives walking in the Holy Spirit who is trying to sanctify us and remove our dead works from us. Ugh. There's just so much, so much here to talk about. Oh, the birds are outside. I forgot to feed them. They're waiting for their... I have mountain bluebirds here. Sorry to get off topic. There's mountain bluebirds up here. And every morning, at least two of them, those and the uh, doves come in and they pester the heck out of me until I bring their food out, which I should soon because around here sunrise is, is 7.30 because of the mountains behind me. All right. I'm just blown away. I'm still trying to digest this. All right. Verse 7. Then blessed I the God of glory the eternal king who hath prepared such things for the righteous and hath created them and promised to give them to them.
Okay, I just, I want to keep going. This is too interesting. Chapter 26. And I went from thence to the middle of the earth, and I saw a blessed place in which there were trees with branches abiding and blooming of a dismembered tree. And there I saw a holy mountain, and underneath the mountain to the east there was a stream, and it flowed towards the south. I just caught the dismembered tree in verse 1. Is that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The dismembered tree. Verse 3, And I saw towards the east another mountain higher than this, and between them a deep and narrow ravine. In it also ran a stream underneath the mountain. And to the west thereof there was another mountain, lower than the former and of small elevation, and a ravine deep and dry between them. And another deep and dry ravine was at the extremities of the three mountains. And all the ravines were deep and narrow, being formed of hard rock, and trees were not planted upon them. And I marveled at the rocks, and I marveled at the ravine. Yea, I marveled very much. That's the end of chapter 26. Enoch is trying his best to explain what this was looking like to him. Okay, now we're coming upon a series of short chapters. How far do I want to go? Oh, they're all really short. The one that gets to be long is chapter... Oh, that's way up there. All right, well, I just finished chapter 26. Let's just do a couple short more chapters. Chapter 27, A Place of Judgment. Then said I, for what object is this blessed land, which is entirely filled with trees... And this accursed valley between. Then Uriel, one of the holy angels who was with me, answered and said, This accursed valley is for those who are accursed forever. Here shall all the accursed be gathered together who utter with their lips against the Lord unseemly words and of his glory speak hard things. Here shall they be gathered together and here shall be their place of judgment. Mm. In the last days there shall be upon them the spectacle of righteous judgment in the presence of the righteous forever. Here shall the merciful bless the Lord of glory, the eternal King. Hear that? In the presence of the righteous? Hmm. In the days of judgment over the former, they shall bless him for the mercy in accordance with which he has assigned them their lot. Then I blessed the Lord of glory and set forth his glory and lauded him gloriously. Chapter 28 And thence I went towards the east into the midst of the mountain range of the desert. And I saw a wilderness and it was solitary, full of trees and plants. And water gushed forth from above, rushing like a copious watercourse which flowed towards the northwest it caused clouds and dew to ascend on every side. Hmm. Interesting. Chapter 29. And thence I went to another place in the desert and approached to the east of this mountain range. And there I saw aromatic trees exhaling the fragrance of frankincense and myrrh. And the, tree, the trees also were similar to the almond tree. Remember in Jeremiah 1, he's talking about, <clears throat> he says, 
uh, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he says, I see an almond tree. The almond tree is the first to bud in the spring. That's what the notes say about that part in Jeremiah 1. Um, and then still in Jeremiah 1, he says, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. It's, that's just interesting to me. Chapter 30, And beyond these I went afar to the east, and I saw another place, a valley full of water. And therein there was a tree, the color of fragrant trees, such as the mastic. And on the sides of those valleys I saw fragrant, fra fragrant cinnamon, and beyond these I proceeded to the east. This is where these spices were created, seems like to me. Interesting. Chapter 31. And I saw other mountains, and amongst them were groves of trees, and there flowed forth from them nectar, which is named Sarara and Galbanum. And beyond these mountains I saw another mountain to the east of the ends of the earth, whereon were aloe trees, and all the trees were full of stacte, S-T-A-C-T-E, being like almond trees. And when one burnt it, it smelled sweeter than any fragrant odor. Chapter 32, and this will be the last chapter because then he's going to start um, describing other things like beasts and portals and things like that. So we'll finish with the trees. Chapter 32, the title is The Tree of Wisdom. Hmm, interesting. And after these fragrant odors, as I looked towards the north over the mountains, I saw seven mountains full of choice, nard, and fragrant trees, and cinnamon, and pepper. And thence I went over the summits of all these mountains, far towards the east of the earth, and passed above the Erythrean Sea, and went far from it, and passed over the angel Zotiel. And I came to the Garden of Righteousness. And saw beyond those trees, many large trees growing there, and of goodly fragrance, large, very beautiful and glorious, and the tree of wisdom whereof they eat, and no great wisdom. Um, the tree of wisdom is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yes, that tree is in height like the fir. And its leaves are like those of the carob tree, and its fruit is like the clusters of the vine, very beautiful. And the fragrance of the tree penetrates afar. Then I said, how beautiful is the tree, and how attractive is its look? Attractive? <clears throat> Enticing, maybe? Then Raphael, the holy angel who was with me, answered me and said, This is the tree of wisdom of which thy father, olden years, and thy aged mother, who were before thee, have eaten, and they have learned wisdom, and their eyes were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they were driven out of the garden. There it is. So it was not dismembered. It is still there. It is huge, and it is producing fruit. wonder about that dismembered tree. That's interesting. Hmm. But either way, so we have the Tree of Life from chapter 25. This is the fruit 
for the elect. The other tree, oops, just lost my notes. In chapter 32 is the tree of wisdom. Sounds like a good tree, doesn't it? Wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom. But this tree is the wisdom of the knowledge of good and evil. Huh. Interesting. Okay, we're going to stop there. That's chapter 32. Interesting thing I want to point out is in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, right at, right before you go in, in uh, is that the Holy of Holies? Okay, there's the most holy place in the Holy of Holies where they did the sacrifices. It was the altar... Uh, not not for the sacrifices, but the altar of incense. So there's an altar of incense that is right before the Most High Priest would go into the Holy of Holies to commune with the Lord. Um, this is when His presence was still there. And But they had all of these spices, and there was a certain recipe of spices that needed to be used on the altar of incense. And if they didn't use the exact, and it's given in, um, like, I don't know, they do Deuteronomy or Leviticus, one of those books, Exodus, this exact recipe of spices that needed to be used, you couldn't get past that altar. You couldn't go past the altar unless it was unless the incense burning on it was exact. So it's interesting that spices, uh, Enoch is talking about spices, you know, in the verses, in the, in the chapters before, before chapter 32, and how they are there at the creation. I think what we're looking at, in my estimation, I think what we're looking at is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, all at once. I think that's what Enoch is seeing. He's seeing the beginning and he's seeing the end all at once because time is not an issue for God. Time doesn't exist. We have time so that because he's numbered our years and he's given us time. Um, but the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega, Jesus Christ is the Alpha, the Omega. This is what Enoch is looking at. And, um, incidentally, I had a dream about, well, six months ago, exactly, February 24th. And I've only told, told my daughter about this dream, but I, I just feel like I need to tell it. In this dream, and I can see it very clear still, I started out, and I'm not really looking at my body, I'm just knowing I'm there. So I don't know what form my body is. But I started out, and I was looking at this river, and it was like crystal clear blue, so crystal clear blue. Um, I've mentioned before 
uh, the Prepare 333 YouTube channel I started. I picked that little round icon or avatar because that's the color of the blue of that river. Um, but anyway, so it's so crystal clear blue. It's almost like a whitish blue. And as I'm looking at it, I'm moving along this river and I can see the scenery around me. There's like jagged mountains. I think that's why Pikes Peak resonated with me so much is because of the jagged mountains that were around me. And I'm moving along. I start out on the ground and then I realize I'm being lifted into the air. And I'm moving along in the air. I don't know how. And I'm not really questioning how this is happening. I'm just aware that I'm looking down. And I'm up about the height of a really high kite. So not quite as high as a hot air balloon. But in between. And I'm kind of floating along. And I'm looking at these mountains. And I look below and it's just so beautiful. I don't remember a lot of greenery but mostly these rocky, jagged mountains. And I look in front of me, and there is this really, really tall, jagged mountain peak. And like it says, like, like Enoch says, and I just made a note of it as I was reading it, um, in chapter 22, where he's talking about these mountain peaks and there's a bright spring of water. That's, that's kind of what I saw. And also in chapter 17, um, he talks about this mountain whose summit, the point, reaches into heaven. And I, sorry about that, again, forgot, do not disturb. And I saw the places of the luminaries and treasuries of the stars and the thunder, but where there was lightnings, when I looked at this tall, jagged mountain in my dream, I had to crane my neck and look way, way up there, and all I could see was lightning bolts. I didn't necessarily I don't remember if I heard thunder or not. I just saw many, many, many lightning bolts, and it was like, whoa, something, something gnarly is going on up there. And I remember looking forward and I could hear Jesus behind me saying, just look around you. Don't look up there. Just look around you. And I'm thinking there must be some judgment or some, something's going on up there at the throne room. You know, and I looked up there again and the Lord, I remember he was behind me. It was like I was sitting on his lap or we were both sitting on the seat, but he was behind me. And he said, don't keep looking up there or you'll have to leave. And so I was, I was like, okay, don't look up there. And I'm looking around and I'm like, is, oh, stop. And I was, I was looking around and I'm like, okay, what is that? And I'm asking him questions and he's giving me the answers. I'm like, what's that over there? You know? And, but the whole time I'm thinking, I want to look up there. I want to look up there. I want to see what's going on up there. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And I can just, and we're conversing and it's, and it's just magnificent. I mean, it was just the best feeling. And then I just kind of glanced up there again and he's like, no, don't, don't look up there or you're going to have to leave this place. 
So I'm looking around, I'm looking around, but the distraction of the lightning and the judgment that was going on up at the top of that peak was too much for my curiosity. And I looked up there and I was just, it's like looking at a tornado, you know, you can't stop. And I was looking at it and I'm like, what is going on up there? And I woke up. I was like, oh, dang it, dang it. I had to leave. He told me I had to leave. And do you know, for a couple of months in prayer, I was not allowed to ask about that place. You know, that's how holy his judgment is. On earth, we, we kind of look at, you know, what's going on and what's coming up. And if you're a conspiracy theorist, you know, you're, you're looking at all these things and it's with fascination. It's almost like you can't stop. You know, it almost becomes an addiction. And the Lord, I feel that he was telling me, don't focus on that. Don't put your focus on the judgment of the wicked and what they're doing. Put your focus on me, Jesus is saying, on me. I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. I am who was and is and is to come. I am the end and the beginning. I am everything. And and I had to leave it, you know, and I didn't feel like I was like, you're bad. Stop it. You're bad. He was more like, no, just focus on me. Stay, stay with me. And it also reminded me of Ezekiel 1, where the wheels, the spirit lifted him up. But, but it, it was between the seraphim or the cherubim. I can't remember now. The seraphim are the fiery ones and the cherubim. I'm not sure. Um, there's also the, the on him or whatever, but it depicts like wheels. And I felt like I was on wheels. Not that I could feel wheels turning. But when I woke up, I wrote in my journal, middle of the night, it felt like there were wheels underneath us. And these wheels were turning. And I, they probably had eyes in them. So anyway, I, I've been feeling for a while, you know, that I, I should just share that publicly. And um, it's, it's just interesting. It's interesting, you know, we can't seem to take our, our eyes off of the wicked in the world. And our only safe place is in Jesus Christ. Um, I can't stress that enough. Don't do as the world is doing. You know, pray to make yourselves worthy. You know, his eyes are on the elect and the holy and the righteous. And, and, just, and just pray to be part of that group instead. So this has gone long. I'm going to sign off here. And until next time, this is Kingdom Testimony. And have a blessed day.